I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. Sarah, I have a riddle for you. What's refreshing, great, any time of day, and super awesome? Oh my gosh. Is it the If We Were Riding podcast? Oh no, wait. By the look on your face, it's not. It's it's noon. It's noon, isn't it? Ding, ding, ding. You got the answer. Woo. Okay, friends, seriously, Noon Hydration has been a sponsor of Live Feisty and this very podcast for a couple of years. They are amazing. They are supportive. And we all get 30% off with the new code, note the new code, Live Feisty um, at noonlife.com. So use the code Live Feisty, E before I, at noonlife.com. Hi, Sarah and Sarah. It's Jess calling from Hamilton, Ontario. I just wanted to say I enjoy listening to the podcast with both Sarahs, with Sarah and Ben, Sarah and Kelly from before, or whatever Sarah with whoever. Uh, It's never a waste of time. I enjoy it for entertainment and even some motivation and inspiration in there sometimes. I'm glad you're realizing some of your goals right now and that you invited us listeners along for the ride. Also... I rock because of that natural little pun I ended on there. And that's it. Okay, bye. So, Sarah, I was very happy to hear from Jessica. Oh, Jessica, thank you for your lovely voice note and all the other voice notes that Jessica sent us a series of voicemails, and we don't have time to play all of them. Um, But that was great to hear. And um, I love her I rock because because she made a pun. And, like, she totally rocks because she... Yeah, we, we're all about puns here. Dad jokes, puns, give it to us. It makes us smile. Animal stories, whatever. We're easy to please. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so we have a special guest with us in the studio today. Um, so for, for those who don't know, I... For those who don't know, I run a media company. <laughs> for first-time listeners... First time listeners, I run a media company called Live Feisty Media. You know, and um, and Ellen and I do, um, Ellen works with us here. She does a lot of like the graphic design. Um, she works a lot with the Feisty team. Like she leads kind of our triathlon team in our club um, and then does like tons and tons of odd jobs. Um, and she also used to be a, a, what would you call it? Like an elite athlete. She was on our national team for many, many years. Um, raced some of the same races as Sarah, which we will talk about in a little bit. Um, but Ellen and I do co-working on Wednesdays because during COVID here, it gets a little lonely. So we decided to spend the day together on Wednesdays. Um, I didn't know that's why. Hmm. Oh, I love that. That's that's really cute. <laughs> so Ellen, Hi. Hey, <laughs> we're live from Feisty HQ, aka the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Ellen. It's oh man. So 
we have this Slack channel, and I always feel like I'm apologizing for all of the uh, nonsense that Sarah and I get up to. So good to see you, and thank you for putting up with me. Slash yeah, us. Well, <laughs> I've, I've been asking, actually, to come on the If We Were Writing podcast. I thought it would be fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Mm-hmm. Well, when your employer makes you, yes, you can say that it's totally your choice. But we all know the truth here. <laughs> Ellen's secretly giving like the wink to Sarah in the video like help me it's like a secret SOS call (laughs) none of this is true (laughs) so what what is it like being a you know now a full-time media what what would you describe your job as yeah well um I've kind of got to create my own job. I think one day I met with Sarah and I told her that I wanted to be the creative director. Um, Well, actually, first it was art director and then I thought I would raise the stakes a little bit and said creative director. Um, So I'm a budding creative director um, and I don't 100% know exactly what that entails, um, but well on my way. I love that. Yeah, I I love design. I love making stuff. Uh, so that's kind of the direction I want to go. Um, I love creativity. Um, so that's my, I would say my favorite thing about working here. Um, that, that's yeah. Oh, and I also, I also do a little TikTok. Oh, uh, sometimes it looks slightly reluctantly. You get roped into these. I, it's true. It's true. Really? This is, this is the perception <laughs> that I... That's You're just telling it like it is, hey, I'm Sarah. Just, like, yeah, <laughs> like, I could tell that Sarah's like, all right, Ellen, let's do this. And I was like, oh, okay, if I have to. But you guys, you both do a very nice job. Okay, now, I have a TikTok. We have a TikTok that's in the drafts folder that uh-huh. we um, recorded last week in which, like, for the first time, I think, Ellen brought it more than I did. Like, Ooh. we were, it was kind of like a fun, dancey one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, Ellen's face is, like, she's just, like, the happiest, most joyful person. I love in, it. In this. So I'm going to, like, po- I'm going to post this one mm-hmm. now um, so that folks can see, like, that I don't actually force her and she is actually happy. Yeah. So is, is there going to be some, like inter you know feisty jealousy when ellen takes over as the tiktok superstar of the company i mean like would you be okay with that sarah i don't think that's gonna happen i kind of like being like the reluctant one i secretly really enjoy it once i get going but to be honest sometime there's been a few times i remember one day um she dragged me up this hill at Thetis and my feet were hurting. I was like so hungry. I had blisters. <laughs> we climbed up uh, this mountain at Thetis to do like a TikTok on these rocks with like this beautiful vista. <laughs> and I like was like halfway. I'm like, I, 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 I was complaining. But then as soon as you start doing them, they're so fun. Um, and so it's almost more about the experience of making a TikTok than mm-hmm. even the TikTok itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like we've made TikToks in the pouring rain. Um, we've jumped multiple times into wa- cold water. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have suffered for our art. <laughs> well, you are the you creative know. director. <laughs> yeah. I, I respect this, but that's, that's probably not what you were expecting when you th- we're thinking creative director. You thought you'd be in front of a laptop, you know, nice, cozy indoor space, not dragged outside in the pouring rain to do TikToks. 
Yeah, yeah, like I've been watching actually as part of my education as being a creative director. <laughs> I've started watching Mad Men. You know, it's like, mm. you know, there, it's an ad agency. And so that's like, you have this vision. It's like this nice, you have an office with cool, expensive art. But like when you actually get into it, it is a lot of, you know, grind and cold. And it's kind of like triathlon. It's not, it's yeah. not all that glamorous, but. Like, like in Mad Men, though, is there the occasional day drinking? <laughs> only only I mean, one time. I may, I may have seen this on the podcast. I'm just saying. I was gonna say I'm not gonna drag Ellen down with me and then admitting to the day drinking. But you, you're right. The mm-hmm. we mm, it was while recording a TikTok. We did have a beverage one time, but it was during happy hour. Mm, it was like four. That's not day drinking. Mm-hmm. That's happy hour. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just saying, you know, that's how Don Draper, like the beginning of the end for that man. <laughs> I feel like we've gone down 12 roads I didn't expect already. No, not at all. Oh, okay. We are so off our playlist right now. I know. We need to do our, we need to do our first break. <laughs> so coming up on the show, <laughs> we are going to do, we are going to do my rock because, because no one's getting out of that right now. Um, Ellen's going to continue to give us her insider view on Live Feisty, on, on working for Live Feisty, and and uh, I want to know too what Ellen thinks. Um, and we have two podcast pitches from listeners, and we're going to talk about coaching. And is it a friendship or a transaction or what? After this. Hey, Sarah, have you seen those new form smart swim goggles? You know, the ones that have the display right on the goggle so you can see like in real time how fast you're going and your heart rate and stuff. Yeah, I have seen them and I'm really interested because they just added a an open water feature, which is terrific because you can go from the pool to open water and still be able to have those same metrics as you swim. Yeah, I mean, knowing how fast you're going in open water in real time is um, totally amazing. So I think it's going to revolutionize swim training. Absolutely. And if they add like a a loon detection device to it, I'm sold. Done. So no one's off the hook for I rock because, because that's where we left off with Jessica. And I want to know why you guys rock while I think about while I rock. (laughs) All right. Should I start? I'll get the ball rolling. All right. I rock because right now I am writing a research paper for class and I'm so excited about it that it keeps me up at night. I just, I love being that excited about something. I mean, I'm not, I'm not loving the lack of sleep, but I just love having ideas again. Yes. Now when you, here's the thing, when you train a lot, your brain kind of slows down a bit. So I think it's nice to remember that I have one. So yeah, that's why I rock. Cause I still have a brain. <laughs> yeah, well, let's I... see, let's see what the paper ends up. I mean, I may not actually have a brain. <laughs> we'll see what mark you get first. We'll, yeah, 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 yeah. Reserve our judgment. <laughs> no, I, I'm relating to like both of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Like first, like I remember my PhD supervisor one time telling me, that I should be like waking up in the night trying to figure out, trying to answer the question of my PhD research and, and me thinking, ooh, I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> um, 
so that, but I took that point obviously that stayed with me when he said that um and then the other part like I totally agree with you I loved it like when I and, and I'm not saying this is you but like when I retired from sport and stopped training like went down to like one hour a day I like was so glad to get my brain power back you know and I felt like I had spent a lot of time fatigued and with foggy brain um especially with Ironman training or like those the long hours like really tires you out so I was really glad that my brain still worked <laughs> um and that I could and that I could still have the chance now to use it to do something so I, I feel yeah. you oh thanks yeah. well again we'll find out how the paper ends up but it's, it's just exciting to not be because I, I, I'm still training, but it's not with the same level of, you know, intensity that I would have if I were racing next month. Um, yeah. So again, additional brain power, positive, but you, you totally sidestepped your I rock because no, were no, you just Ellen. buying yourself time? Yeah. Ellen's next. <laughs> oh yeah. Ellen. <laughs> Ellen. Yeah. Okay. Well, I rock because I'm on the, if we were writing podcasts, obviously, so that's my answer <laughs> only people that rock get them to come on our podcast mm -hmm. I think that's fair yeah mm -hmm. I think you rock fulfilling a lifelong lifelong dream lifelong dream <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's really why now you're gonna walk away you're gonna be like I quit I've made it on the podcast that's all I wanted <laughs> I'm tapping out yeah <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going to go with, this is a bit of a complicated one, but this, this is where I'm at this week is, and I always talk about my job, like my, like my evolving job as like leader slash CEO slash founder, whatever this is, um, is like, I rock because I accepted that like brainstorming and strategy is part of my job. Mm. Um, so I stopped beating myself up over like spending hours with whiteboards and trying to figure things out and that like things that we've talked about this before I think like that I've had trouble accepting things that don't have like a hard mm -hmm. if you don't finish with a document and a neat tidy package or like a video or a social media post then it's not real work um so last week I spent uh, like 10 I'd say 10 to 12 of my working hours brainstorming on one mm. thing um and on Monday yeah it was yeah it was on Monday I realized I'm like I've accepted this like I've accepted that that's part of my job and we got a, a good direction for that project and I thought that's totally worth it because having the right direction before you take those first steps is going to save like a lot of time and money too right and that's I think that's why I was like was like fighting myself because I I knew that I needed to do that work because I don't want to waste anyone's time on, on any projects if we have to change direction so that's 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 being the CEO man I know. The, you're the visionary. You're you're the ideas person. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I'm accepting this now. No, that's good. Mm -hmm. That is that is a big step because I know you felt like you were, you know, burning yourself out um, a little bit trying to handle some of the micro stuff, um, yeah. the details, and really, you can't do you can't do it all. Yeah, and it's like about accepting like the things that you have to pass off. Mm -hmm. that's that's a really important one but then also yeah. like accepting what your new job is when you're like really like I get to do this I get to like vision things and like try to make and do strategy because that's super fun for me right and mm. like, when things are fun we tend to go oh well that's not work that's not the real work mm. like yeah answering emails that's like that's work <laughs> you know yeah no so El Ellen did you think 
what were your expectations when you started working for Sarah? Actually, how did you start working for Sarah? Let's back up here. Yeah, so I was with uh, Liv Feisty, I guess, from the very beginning. Because if you didn't know, it started in 2017. So three years old now. Uh, so what had happened was one summer, uh, it was I was in university taking earth sciences. And I wasn't super into it. Uh, so I just looking for kind of a fun part time gig during the summer was I was still training for triathlon. Uh, and then I, I don't even know how we, I got connected, but I somehow got connected. Someone said Sarah was looking for an internist. She was working at another company at this time, a similar media company. Yeah, you, I'm curious about this actually, cause I don't, I, I don't know this answer. It's like Ellen came to me one day at swimming. She used to swim together. Well, I used to swim behind her um, in the lane. And she asked me if I, she could intern with me. And I'm wondering like, what did you, what did you see like, what was it? What was the thing that you saw that you thought you were asking to intern with? Like, I didn't even know. I was like, yes, you could intern with me. I'm doing a bunch of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess at that point, I was looking to make a difference because I know that uh, Sarah was working for this company um, that was pretty involved with women in sport. And so I was looking for an opportunity to get connected into that world and make a little bit of a difference for myself. Uh, and yeah, I don't know who connected us, how we happened, how it happened, but I just remember there's this one day we'd always go to the same gluten-free coffee shop after swimming and we would sit down and have our meeting. And there's this one day pretty early on, it was probably like day three. We were like three weeks <laughs> in or something. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, so, uh, I've decided to quit my work at this company and I'm going to start my own media company. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, and it would be great to take you with me. Do you want to, do you want to come with me? And I was like, sure. <laughs> um, so that's how Live Feisty really started. So I guess I am maybe Live Feisty's first employee. Um, and but we say employee like lightly. I think you worked for sunglasses and swag. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I was really tied into the mission. So I was pretty, and I didn't have all the skills. So I was learning skills, um, doing something that I really believed in for the first little bit. And yeah, I remember we did brainstorming what the company should be called. I picked out a whole bunch of different fonts for the logo and I gave them to Sarah and she picked her favorite one. And yeah, that's how it, how it got started. Uh, so, and then from there, I did take a little bit of a break to finish my schooling. And then last year I was training for a triathlon and honestly needed uh, probably a little bit of money. And so I, I asked Sarah if there was an intern job available and there, and there was one. So I started working and then it just happened so organically. And then all of a sudden I have a full-time job, um, which is crazy because a year ago I would have never predicted. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh -huh. When you came back, when you came back and you said, can I work for you again? And I was like, I barely had enough money to pay you. Like I had a little bit of money, but not a lot of money, but I'm just like, Ellen's back. Yes. The answer is yes. Um, and then it's amazing to think that I would like could barely scrape together. So like, what, yeah, what I really, really love about this story is that it shows you, you value yourself and you, you value the process. Like you saw where you wanted to be and that you needed to put some time in, but also the fact that you sat Sarah down and I'm imagining like power suit and everything. You're like, make me creative director. 
But the fact that there are multiple <laughs> along the way, we were like, Sarah, give me a job or an internship. Sarah, give me a job and then make me creative director. Like three different steps where you stepped up, you valued yourself mm-hmm. and it worked out. Mm-hmm. I well, love that. Yeah. I, and that's one thing with Live Feisty too. Like, yes is 99% of the time the answer. And so there's just been like, it's it's like, if you have this idea or this concept or just something you want to run with like there's so much room for freedom um and creativity and so that's something I've I've really thrived in I think um I'm pretty grateful for uh so yeah like I I don't know I guess I've really I've been in charge of really creating like the look and feel I'd say for the brand it's kind of all like lived in my head and most of the time like I put I make something and Sarah's like yes like (laughs) there hasn't been much like micromanaging about what like the brand looks like um so yeah so that's that's been a fun process for sure I think like one thing I've and I've thought this that I wish I had more of this when I was your age was like that Ellen like really came into a situation and was like I want to create like like you just said Sarah you totally named it like she created a space for herself she made it possible to not get paid at first to do what she wanted to do when she needed payment she asked like we have this open communication about money um and it like she really did that that creating her own path thing within like what someone else is doing (laughs) you have like your you know, you have a support system built in too. And I'm like, I wish I had known that. Like if, if I can imagine myself now in my late twenties going, what would I have done? It's like, it would have been totally different. Oh, I wish I'd been that feisty mm. like, even with my triathlon career at the beginning too. Yeah. Like, just like asked for more or leveraged opportunities better or understood that like you can leverage an opportunity and you might do something for free for a little while. Like, but if you gain trust and there's a relationship there, then it can work out. Well, it's, it's skills acquisition. So putting the time in knowing that you're going to acquire skills that was, that were going to take you where you wanted to be. Um, I, I think it's such a, it's such a good reminder probably to all of us that we have to, we have to back ourselves. And sometimes that might not be a paid job, but if you know where you want to go, like you, it's an investment. It's the right kind of investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. I didn't actually really know that I wanted to do something creative. And then I got going. I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this is, this is me. Yeah. But you had to try it out. I mean, what the, the worst case scenario would have been, you worked for Sarah for a few weeks. You're like, this kind of stinks. We're not gelling. Nothing, you know, no, no love lost. Right. Like mm-hmm. that happens all the time. Um, Totally. And I have, like, I've had quite a few interns and they didn't all turn into creative. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, very cool. That's good. I'm wondering like, so from your perspective, Ellen, like what's your favorite thing about working with us now? That is such a loaded question. If you're the boss, let me ask that. Ellen, what's your favorite? Well, cause she's, <laughs> yeah, earmuffs, Sarah, earmuffs. You're not allowed to hear <laughs> this part. I'm not listening. <laughs> Give me the real, the real dirt here. The so good and the bad. Okay. The yeah. best part and, is the and worst and part. What's your <laughs> least favorite thing about working here? I'm about to have a better question. Uh, I'll start with my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> good choice. Yeah. Well, like I said before, I just really like making things. Mm. Um, so even last week, I was tasked with making a uter- a happy uterus because we we help uh well we 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 manage uh, an instagram account called feisty menopause 
So I made this happy uterus. I was super proud of it. And then another coworker animated it. So it was actually a happy dancing uterus. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, and just, I don't know how many jobs really do you get to have that kind of <laughs> task. Um, and then I like, we, we do laugh a lot too. Like we make time to laugh on Zoom meetings, uh, which I think is, is really important um, to be like, we work hard, like everyone works so hard, but we definitely make time to laugh and we take our, we, we, we uh, take ourselves serious, but at the same time, we, we have fun. Um, like we want to do huge things. But at the same time, we're like silly and <laughs> have a good time. Um, but yeah, we have big goals. Um, do, you, do you see parallels with sport, like your, your triathlon career? Yeah, that's interesting because I would say uh, I was thinking about this because when I was younger, like triathlon and sport and the Olympics, like I couldn't imagine being so passionate or so excited or have like that big of a dream like be that excited about chasing that dream and now that I'm not in triathlon anymore and chase, chasing that dream like this feels just as meaningful as chasing a triathlon dream like building something like I'm as excited waking up in the morning um to help build this media company uh as I was trying to chase the olympics yeah um so that's a good feeling hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure when you were in the middle of the triathlon stuff, like I know for a lot of athletes that there is that fear that you're not going to find something you're as passionate about. Yeah. Um, but you have, which is I awesome. It, yeah. And it's, it's maybe even more meaningful, I'd say. Um, I know we were talking about that too. One day we're out for our, sometimes we go on meeting hikes. <laughs> it really sounds like we don't work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> This is a whole podcast about how we don't really do any work. <laughs> we go on hikes and we drink while making TikToks. Um, well, yeah, both Sarah and I were saying how, like, what we've accomplished in triathlon, like, we think um, beyond that, what we're going to accomplish here could be even that much more impactful and that much more meaningful um, than what we got out of our triathlon career. Yeah. Well, I think the, the difference is, you know, triathlon, you're focusing on yourself and you have the ability to create something that impacts other people, um, and affects positive change. Like, and I think that's, that's huge. You know, I think when you, when you look beyond yourself and that's, that's exactly what, what you're creating right now. Me, I'm just totally fine. Like only caring about myself. You know, <laughs> that yeah, is my yeah. MO. <laughs> just kidding. That does not make me tick. <laughs> yeah, just like the selfish athlete never doing anything for others. That's so you. <laughs> no, but, but I think so, because you've been in the sport, you can see where there are holes and where there are things not being addressed. Um, yeah. To be able to, to find some per, it's almost like reframing your career through a different lens, but you wouldn't, if you didn't have that firsthand knowledge, you wouldn't know where those holes are. Yeah. 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 That's so true. Um, okay. We Who have knows? some podcast pitches. Uh, oh, yeah. It came to us. People oh, yeah. are pitching new podcasts to us. I love this first of all. So anyone who has a podcast pitch, just send it. Um, but should we listen? Let's, let's listen to, um, Sorry, I want to make sure I got her name right. Jessica. Let's hear what Jessica's pitch is. 
Hi, Sarah and Sarah. This is Jess from Hamilton, Ontario. I have a couple ideas here uh, that have built up for a while, so you might want to grab a coffee uh, as you listen to this voicemail, and I will do my part and take a break between the ideas so that it could be a little bit easier to edit if you want to include one of them on the podcast. Um, The first one is about being a B-plus triathlete, which I also identify with Sarah. I feel like the plus is true because in the general population, I'm, I'm pretty driven. But when it comes to the world of triathlon and everything that needs to be organized and scheduled and things like that, I feel like I'm fairly laid back um, for a triathlete. And others might call me a little bit scattered as well. Um, but... I still think that I can win and would like to, even though I'm not sure how realistic a goal is. I'd like to, I would certainly like to try and I've been putting effort into that. So I think a lot of other listeners can relate um, and might like hearing that too. And along those lines, I do have a pitch for you. So the reason I'm sharing this pitch over voicemail is because Um, I learned at the Outspoken conference that pitches don't need to be as intimidating as they sound. And so I kind of wanted to give an idea or an example of someone fumbling through what I think is a good idea, even if it's not 100% polished. And then hopefully other listeners will come with some good ideas as well. And I would love any positive and constructive feedback that you have. Um, But here goes. So the B-plus triathlete, I think it would be a really good basis for a podcast or even a blog-type article series. And it could share stories of more atypical kind of B-leaning triathletes um, moving from the backpack to a win. Um, Not necessarily me, although I hope to progress throughout the next few years and hopefully you can share some of those experiences as well as long as um, people want to hear that. I I mean, I would want to hear that, so I think other people would want to hear that too. Um, I think there's an appetite also for sharing the strengths that come with being a B-type person um, and being not as particular, as well as kind of analyzing what goes into the stereotype of A and B in triathlon like we kind of we we end up talking about it a lot but I also wonder if it's not only personality traits but also values goals and assertiveness skills Uh, and so I think it would be great to help triathletes understand these different values and goals and even learn some skills for assertiveness so that um, people can accomplish their goals more um, more efficiently. And also, if people are able to understand their values and goals better um, and understand themselves better, then they can communicate that to coaches, and coaches would be more able to help them with those things. Um, Another thing is that I think I think the strengths of being more fluid and 
more, as we say, B-type uh, are underrated. And so I, I wonder how we could use those even more in training to be a help in, in accomplishing a triathlon versus uh, just not hinder it. So not minimizing, not just minimizing the B parts, but also using them as an advantage. Um, just so you know, I do have a Master of Science in Occupational Therapy, which has a lot to do with goal setting and uh, mental health training as well as other things. And I really like understanding the research and, and kind of communicating it. So I'm not just wildly speculating here, although I think that that is entertaining and I think it would be a good thing to include sometimes. Um, I do feel like I uh, have some evidence to work from too. Okay, and then the second podcast pitch we got is somewhat similar. Uh, it's perspective from the back of the pack. So talking about what it's like to be, you know, one of the people trying to just make the cutoff. Uh, and it sounds like a super chill, fun place to be. There's definitely some overlap with, you know, I think what, what Jessica pitched a little bit. So what, what do you both think? I think I like, I love that, you know, that that B-type personality thing that resonated so well. I think we heard from a number of people. We put it on as a quote card and on Instagram and people were like, people were talking about it. So I'm like, oh, we're not the only ones, Sarah. Like we're not the only B-type, you know, people in triathlon or it's like, it's almost like, I almost feel like, and maybe this, this is where they tie together for me is like the B-type personalities in triathlon and the people who consider themselves back of the pack, like almost feel forgotten in terms mm. of like the, basically the way that triathlon is presented like in media or the way that we talk about triathlon or the fact that training is so um, framed so much around numbers and like you know what I mean like power numbers and heart rate numbers and stuff mm. like that so like there are those of us who train more by feel and there are those of us who care more about social issues than our power numbers <laughs> and like there's like there's lots of other people like all the other people are sort of mm. like forgotten about actually sorry I'm, I know I'm talking for a long time but but <laughs> Kelly when we originally started this concept of if we were riding and she started the newsletter um was like basically pitched me <laughs> pitches she pitched me on an idea about making content for the people in the middle mm. right it was like it, and what she meant was like not total raw beginners and not like and not the a-type people <laughs> right um and so it's interesting that that like that keeps coming back around um right and yet we're like two pros making a podcast. So maybe we should talk to more people. But it's it's more, I would say it's more mindset. So I don't know how, how you both felt uh, as athletes, but I felt like there was this expectation that the only way you're going to be successful is if you are that super controlling, like everything has to be incredibly dialed in and you only have like one cup of rice and X number of grams of protein. Like that would that would have driven me absolutely insane. And I thought that's the way, the only way you could be successful. So I think it's really a paradigm shift. Like you can't, no matter, no matter how fast you are, you can be, that's, if that's your natural 
personality, but not forcing yourself there. So I think we already have that B type personality podcast. I don't know. I don't know that it has to do with the results. Yeah. Do you feel, maybe I should ask you both this question, but I feel like in my, with all the pro athletes that I know, I think there's a wide range of personalities that have been successful. Like I've seen people win races coming off the back of like a drunken night, you know, and I've seen people win races controlling every single factor of their, um, of their life. So is that, is that your experiences too? Yeah, that'd be my experience. And I would say I would classify myself as a B type triathlete as well. And that was one thing I say I struggled with a little bit with triathlon uh, was this expectation where it, it, it has this exclusive feel um, like the spandex and <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I did, I did struggle with that. Cause I, I did feel like this need to be creative and different, but I felt like triathlon sort of, and I, I remember even starting triathlon when I was a junior and like resisting it a little bit and like calling myself a triathlete, like the term itself just okay. sort of like you imagine what a triathlete or you tell someone you're a triathlete and you're kind of like, kind of like, you know, yeah, hide your yeah. face a little bit because <laughs> there's this like perception um, that you're this like maybe nerdy, uh, data driven person. Controlling. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Uh, well, that's not everybody. And I think mm-hmm. we have to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So do we think, what should we do? Like, should we talk to more, to more back of the pack types? Do we get the, all the B types to come on the podcast? Well, there, so there was, we, we would love to know if you are listening to this podcast and you have a strong opinion, if this is something you would want to listen to, you know, a, a podcast specifically geared towards that. And you know, we overlap with some of that, but we also incorporate like animal stories and other things. So we can't say we're exclusively about it. So let us know. There was also a pitch uh, to try out maybe some of this material with some blog posts. And I was I was interested by this concept of uh, you know, the, the, the listener to this podcast said basically like people don't have the bandwidth for blog posts, but they do for podcasts. I have no idea whether or not that's true or not. Do you, do either of you, of you have an opinion on that? I think there's still traffic. I mean, you, you see the traffic. Mm-hmm. I don't know your numbers. Do you get, do you get decent views for blog posts? Yeah. Yes. Sometimes. So like if, with blog with, it's a little harder to get um, in terms of getting reach with content online. Right. Because it's like, there's a lot to do with the Google, <laughs> with the Google <laughs> and, uh, and like whether you have content that's going to create like a greater, greater reach. And, and then if you're not using Google to get people into your content, like if you write like, for example, um, if you wrote something about the best, the 10 best bike saddles or something. Everyone who Googles bike saddles could maybe find your article if you set Mm. things up correctly, right? Um, We don't tend to write stuff like that. We tend Mm -hmm. to write like, what was your article? Uh, I wrote an article about why I think Hoka running shoes are gonna become the next fashion trend. (laughs) Like people don't Google that. (laughs) Like that's not a thing. I literally wrote that because I wanted to. I just had this idea. Those kind of posts like tend to get more, like if they get shares on social, right? Mm. If someone found it funny or interesting or whatever, and then you share it and then that's how we get people in. So there's like literally a wide range of numbers that we get on our written content. Like Mm. we've had 10,000 like reads on um, Caroline Livesey 
wrote about um how to pee yeah how to pee like women peeing on the bike or whatever although I don't know what people are googling when they get that article so that that's like I don't know if they got what they came for there (laughs) unclear um (laughs) but we did have a lot of people read that uh specifically um but then yeah so it's a it's all whereas like with the podcast um, with or with all of our podcasts there's like you tend to get a very consistent listenership and, and once people like your podcast they listen they subscribe and they come back um, and then that will grow but it's a it's a longer it's a longer tail of growth um, yeah I didn't know it's it's all really interesting I I will say if you're interested in doing a podcast I realize Sarah and I make it seem so easy you know <laughs> That all you do is you just shoot the shit with the friends, but we spend hours and hours just, you know, carefully crafting what we're going to talk about. It doesn't sound like it, but every one of my lines is from that. Totally, totally. (laughs) Well-researched. We have jokes written out in advance. We we try them out on friends beforehand. No, we just, it's, I would say Sarah's team does more work than we do. Um, we just kind of hang out and talk and yeah. we hope that occasionally people listen. Yeah, we have it easy, I think, because of the way that we just show up, we make a couple notes and then we record. Um, whereas, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like the back end, the editing, the putting stuff on SoundCloud, all the social media, like that stuff, they do a lot more work than, than either of us do. <laughs> so we appreciate you team, Lindsay, shout out to you. Um, okay, so after, oh, so before we finish off that topic, I just want to make sure anyone who has a pitch for us, please send it. Anyone who wants to hear from more B-type athletes or back-of-the-pack athletes, please let us know, um, because we are taking your comments to heart here at Live Feisty Media. Um, okay, and after the break, uh, we have another question from a listener about coaching. And our regular listeners will know that if we were riding and all things feisty is proudly partnered with Orca Sportswear. For 15% off all items on orca.com, please use the code livefeisty15. And that includes the wetsuits. So good deals all around. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production. Sarah and I are truly and grossly thankful for our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Form Swim, and Orca Sportswear. Join the conversation by following us on all the socials at If We Were Riding on Instagram and Facebook, or send me a voice memo to Sarah with no H at livefeisty.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Remember that time we were ranked like number... 206th best sports podcast in the Czech Republic yeah that was thanks to you so leave us a review we can't wait to ride with you next week all right so I somebody dropped into my dms um do I I censor yeah actually slide oh shoot I got the vernacular wrong. Oh, got to get up with the times. All right. They slid into my DMs. Why can't you drop into someone's DMs? You probably can. I mean, it's fine. Oh my. Can we, let's edit that out. So I seem cooler. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, basically asking, all right, my, my coach that I have now 
you know, gets me across the line. I'm healthy, but we just don't gel on a personal level. You know, but I don't ask, you know, my, for example, like my PT to be my friend, but I, I'm wondering whether this is something that should I find another coach, somebody with whom I have, you know, a closer relationship, or is it okay for a coaching relationship to be purely transactional? So I think this is a terrific topic to discuss. I have some strong opinions about this, uh, but I'd like to know what both of you think. Uh, well, I would say, so I was watching the coach's playbook. Have you, has, has have you watched that yet? It's really good. Uh, it's all about some perspectives from really great coaches from around the world. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. For our listeners, it's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Recommend. And anyways, uh, one of the coaches, Doc Rivers, who is the head coach of the LA Clippers, huge basketball fan here, go raps. <laughs> um, and he was saying, and this is maybe against what I personally believe, but he was saying, uh, you want to bring the athlete co- or the athlete close, um, almost to the point where you might break some boundaries. Like you, you really care about the athlete. Um, and he says that because like, that's how you're going to build like the strongest relationship. You can, you can watch the show for the actual line. Um, but he personally says like he, he takes players under his wing and that's how, and he, he gets involved in their life. Um, and so he's coaching these young, um, basketball players in the NBA, um, and also coaching them as people. Um, so, and that I would say you, I think there's also boundaries though. So I think there's, you definitely need healthy boundaries with your coach. Um, cause it's a working relationship. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what do you think on, on that? Cause Doc Rivers too is one of the most highly regarded coaches, I would say in the world. Um, and so he had takes on that perspective. What, oh, oh, you're letting me talk. Oh, thanks, Sarah. Uh, so I guess it, it depends on you and your needs. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. I've had coaches, uh, you know, early in my, my relationship, my, you know, development and sport, I probably needed more of a hands-on approach and I don't think I necessarily needed to be friends with them, but I needed to trust them. And part of that is you know, just seeing who they are on a day-to-day basis and that their values are good and their actions match up with, you know, their values. And, you know, I, but I, that being said, I've also had effective coaches uh, who I did not uh, think were, you know, terribly awesome human beings at the core, uh, only really one. Um, but I got results. So, and I, I, I know athletes who continue to work with this coach and basically what they've described to me is they, they are able to compartmentalize. They're like, they, they don't really care what this coach is like as a human being. Ultimately they get the results. It's totally fine for them to just have those two things separate because they trust in the program. So I think it really, it really depends on you as an individual. Uh, you know, I, right now in my career, I really like my coach. She's a good human being. Um, that's important to me. Uh, I would trust him, you know, 
with, I trust him with my career, you know, but I would trust him with my life. Like he is a fundamentally good person. Uh, am I friends with him? No. I mean, part of that's, I see him like once a year for coffee. Um, if we lived in the same town, we probably would be friends, but where he has gained my trust is, you know, the way he interacts with me and his professionalism and a whole bunch of other factors. Um, yeah, I don't think you need to necessarily be friends, but I do think you have to have a level of trust and that all depends on you as an individual. Like I, I've also seen coaches put that friendship before the actual working relationship and it can get in the way um, where they think it's really important for them to be buddy, buddy with the athlete and that it actually can keep them from having that objectivity where it's, if you're best friends with somebody it's a lot harder to be like, Hey, we need to have a serious talk about X, Y, or Z. Cause this thing is holding you back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also say probably in friendships, we should be better off about that, but it, it gets messy when there is an exchange of money and these are professional relationships. So it, that was a very convoluted answer. I hope you got something of value of it. It bought Sarah some time so she could think about her. Answer. And I made a note too. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I would add like I, I think and I think it was framed like this from the original question was like if is your coach your friend or is it transactional and I think there's like there's sometimes when coaching can be transactional right like I think about even now um like I'm an amateur crossfitter right and like I do not want like and I've been to crossfit competitions too so I do have that level, but like I do not want some coach like sliding into my DMs. <laughs> to find out how I'm sleeping or, you know, like, this is not, this is not part of um, my now, like, because I'm a busy person and like CrossFit is like such a small part of my life. And I think there's a lot of age group triathletes who are like that, who are like, just give me the program. I'll follow the program. I'll Mm -hmm. ask you questions about the program. Like at the very, that's, that would be what I would call transactional. But I think that like, instead of friendship, like framing it around mentorship, right? Mm. Because that keeps like, your coach can be a mentor in, in what you're like, in what you're learning and how you're progressing as an athlete. And I think that keeps like that dynamic of like, where the coach is like, kind of, I don't know how you'd say it, like a friend is like on an equal footing, you know, whereas like, that might not work for a coaching relationship. Like, Mm. I think a coach kind of has to be a mentor in a way, like you have to hold them in high regard. Mm in at least in relation to the, like the program and the, the progress, your progress in triathlon, right? Like you have to feel like they know something that you don't know mm-hmm. and that you're learning something and moving forward in that thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's like, that's really the question is like whether, and to, back to the original listener question is like whether that person wants their coach to be more of like, more of a mentor and more mm-hmm. like guiding them down a path. Um, well, I th- I, we've talked about this. They're, they're different coaching styles and this athlete might just need more of a nurturer. Mm-hmm. So you, you can get somebody who is more emotionally involved. They may not be a friend, but that's just their style of coaching. And it's, I wouldn't be surprised if that would be a better fit than somebody who comes across as a bit cold. You know, that probably is not the best fit for this listener. That would be my guess. Yeah. And I think there's like some kind of understanding, like almost like on an extreme end, like maybe uh, if you think about like a counseling relationship, for example, like you're paying someone 
you're kind of paying someone to be your friend and being an emotional support system, right? But you also understand that when you stop paying them, that they're not your emotional support system anymore, like, and you're not going to go to their house for dinner, right? And so that's like, um, with coaching too, is like, if you cross that line into friendship, like, what's the expectation if the coaching relationship mm -hmm. stops? Like, it has to be understood, like, what the boundaries are. And I think you said boundaries in the first. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know plenty of people who are excellent coaches or friends with their coaches, and that continues beyond you know, their, their sporting relationship. So it's not mutually excuse exclusive, but it's not necessary to be a coach or to be a friend, to be an effective coach. I think that's what yeah. my take home message is. Yeah. 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 I think too, cause all of my coaches have been well, kind of in my development years as like a young athlete. And so from, from that perspective, uh, when you're coaching younger kids, like that person, their coaches become like that person in, 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 in young kids' lives. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in that case, you're not only helping them develop as athletes, but you're helping them develop as people. And so I think it's maybe a little bit different in age group coaching when it is like there's, there could be potentially like a big exchange of value depending on how much money you're paying. Um, but you're, you're kind of like, you're, you're not like a, a core person. Like usually when you're in age group, you might have some more people in your life to go to, but as like you're coaching youth, like you do become that person. So um, I always found growing up, I needed a pretty nurturing coach. Um, and I was very much like, uh, if, if I didn't have a good connection with my coach, I, I wouldn't last, yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't perform. Um, and so, yeah, I think based on that too, is like, coaches I think that's like the, the main thing of coaching at least coaching development is um like helping them not only become good athletes but good people too well I, I think if you're if you're a beginning age group triathlete it's really intimidating to go into the sport so having somebody who's a bit more nurturing it's it's welcoming you know it's it's welcoming somebody into the sport trying to make it less intimidating trying to make sure their experience in the sport is inclusive. And there, I think there is a lot more of that, not handholding per se, but that need for that personal connection. Yeah, if I've often thought of, and we've said this, um, said this before when I've spoke at conferences about diversity and inclusion, like the, the coaches in a way are like gatekeepers mm. of the sport a little bit, like how welcoming the coaches are really can change um, changed so many things about our sport, especially like even like club level, like individual coaches that you would hire just for yourself or like a club level coach where someone just shows up at the swimming pool and, and does your master swim or, or, or whatever, you know, that's their well, how welcoming that coach is, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to another week of, if we were riding, thank you, Ellen, for joining us. And, uh, Keeping feisty friends. My time, none of you people can tell me to stop. My town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We're reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top. We're